0: ideas,
1: inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Hello, this is Chickie
0: Fitzgerald with The Game Network and we are going to be having a really interesting discussion today and, and I'm going to ask you a couple of the questions that are actually posed in the front of this book because I, if you're listening and you're wondering if, you're, if you should be listening, if you answer yes to any of these questions, this show is for you. Has the competitive landscape made it harder and harder to stand out among competitors and get noticed? Do you want to know what makes your business truly distinct so it stands out, and do you feel like you're missing out on opportunities? Well, I can tell you I can say yes to more than one of those. Our guests today are Winnie, and Winnie, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your your uh, maiden name. Is it, is it Brignac?
1: It's Brignac, yes.
0: Brignac. Okay, thank you so much. I normally do that ahead of time <laughs> so I don't stumble, but it's Winnie Brignac Hart, and her sister, Lori Brignac-Lee. Welcome. Great.
1: Thank you. We're so excited to be here, Chickie.
0: Well, terrific. And the name of your book is Stand Out, and the subtitle is Discover Your Distinct Advantage, Tools to master the eight fundamentals of standing out in business, and you know I have to ask you guys to share uh, a little bit about your background. I know you you have uh, literally been connected for your whole lives, and even before then, and uh, you operate a, an organization called Twin Engine. Give us
1: the backstory. Great, Chickie. Well, um, of course we, uh, we we were born together, <laughs> and I we're identical twins, so. What's really fascinating about our experience is that um, for the first 13 years of our of our lives, uh, we were known as one person, Winnie Laurie <laughs> it's hyphenated. Right. And what was so great about that is um, through that experience, um, we really, at a very young age, um, learned how to see ourselves outside of ourselves. And so it's been a real gift to be able to, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years <laughs> and to, uh, to you know. Um, develop this this company and this brand and this book to really help other companies and other people to see themselves outside of themselves.
0: Well, very cool. Well, I've got twin nieces who uh, apparently are identical um, at a cellular level, but one of them uh, was two pounds heavier at birth, so at the same time- moment in time they never look precisely alike but if one of them gains or loses weight you know they're they're back to uh to looking identical which is 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 funny um so let's talk about uh, what you what you do in your consulting uh, practice, what you do in, in your branding business, because I, I think that's important to lay that foundation. And how did that get you guys to the place where somebody said, you got to write
1: this book? That's funny, Chickie. It really um, came from a place of frustration um, because we've been in the business for 25 years and started out um, as a traditional marketing agency. And then over the years, and, and more recently, about maybe about 10 years ago, we started thinking, you know, this this system and this this process and this industry is in a place of disruption, and it really doesn't work the way it should. Because instead of us, you know, pre- presenting and, and, and you know whether we do TV or radio or whatever that was at that time, we were in complete control of a brand and a voice of a company. But today, we're not right. It's more of a of a dialogue than a monologue, and so the way that we market has really changed and um that's why i wrote this book to help companies uh not only stand out but to bring um this sense of marketing into their companies because just this whole concept of marketing being an apartment and these advertising agencies having these you know relationships with companies just doesn't really work anymore that we all need to teach uh people to to be empowered within the companies right so
0: i am fascinated uh actually by the statement on the front cover of your book which is that to most consumers competing brands look
1: almost identical. Why is that? Well, I think uh that you know the the sheer number of brands that compete, you know, uh 10 years ago, you know, they, you had the big box brands and just these sort of like, you know, neighborhood brands. And now everyone can compete in the, on the same level playing field and I think that um it's hard for a consumer to really choose one brand over another because you know, they don't know what makes each distinct and they don't know what to look for. And I think that's one of the reasons why some of these um, rating systems like Yelp are, are really effective because it helps people make decisions for them. But it's um, it's, it's really hard to distinguish up in the market, you know, because, also because of just the sheer noise and the number of brands out there all talking at the same time.
0: So you, you have used the term, you know, standing out and, and you talk about in the very – beginning of the book the importance of standing out in business which you know one one would think well uh, of course i mean you have to stand out in business but but how do you figure out what your challenge really is i mean how how can you get a look at your own brand uh and be objective because I, i think some of us are in love with what we do and and sometimes we're too close
1: yeah, and it's again, it's it's hard for companies to see themselves outside of themselves. And we have a tool, um, Chicky, and, and people can access it at twinengine.com. That it's an assessment where you can go in and you can assess your brand um, on what we've created as as the eight fundamentals, and you can find out what your where your where your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And based on on what you find out, there are tools in the book that help you strengthen the ones that need to be strengthened.
0: Right, and you know I know in your business and and certainly throughout this book you're you're using some of the metaphors of of flying
1: um are are you guys pilots? <laughs> no, we're not pilots uh, that's funny so um the inspiration for the name of our company uh came from my dad so uh my dad um when we were little um he we we spent actually most of our childhood. Remember those like radio control airplanes, right? That oh, you would build yeah. and you would fly. Remember those? So my dad um, and my my brother went through this process of doing that, and they would you know build these planes, fly these planes, crash these planes. And Lori and I spent our childhood, you know, of course we were looking for four leaf clovers, uh, <laughs> at, these, <laughs> at, these, um, at these places. And um, but then what inspired us was my dad one day, and I, I distinctly remember it. Said, you know what? I, you know I, I want to learn how to fly a big plane. You know, I really want to learn how to do that. And so uh he did. He taught himself how to fly and I'll never forget the day, uh, Chicky when he's standing outside in the front of my house and looking up and seeing my dad fly that plane. And the inspiration to us was, you know, you you gotta fly small planes before you fly big ones. And and my dad really inspired us to um to find our purpose as twins, as people and as contributors to really um, you know, make the world a better place. And so we named the company twin engine in his honor and, you know, use a lot of those metaphors because it really Mm. works in terms of, you know, you have a place to get to and a destination and you have to really prepare and and be clear on where you're going or you never get there.
0: Well, absolutely. And I've spent my entire adult life in the travel industry and and a a good part of that was working for the technology division of American Airlines. So I, I actually uh, used to sit in my backyard and watch planes take off at DFW airport and say, you know, there goes another paycheck. <laughs> so so planes have a special place in my heart and and that's really where I got my feet wet uh even as an entrepreneur because I I started my first company uh as Uh, the head of a new division within American Airlines, and so I got to use Bob Crandall's money instead of my own, which was was great fun, Uh, and I also had a regular paycheck, so I didn't have to worry uh, like entrepreneurs do. Um, So one of the tools that you guys have is something that you call brand traffic control radar. Can you give us a little glimpse into what that's all about?
1: Yeah, so on the radar, and of course you'll understand this from the plane perspective, is um, it 's important to know kind of of where you stand where you are to know where you stand, especially compared to your competitors and to people within your own company and So the assessment that I mentioned earlier plots each of these eight fundamentals on a scale of zero to five, you know zero being zero being the the weakest and five being the strongest mm-hmm. on each of those fundamentals and they 're plotted on a radar so you know where you stand and what 's interesting about that chicky is not just you individually plotting your own um, assessment of, of where you think you are. But when, you're, when your entire company does it or the leaders in your company does it, what it really comes down to is um, alignment. Are you aligned on these things? And mm. uh, there's a lot to learn just from the results of that.
0: That is really powerful. And um, we're going to spend uh, the bulk of the time talking about each of those eight fundamentals. But just so people can get a visual of this radar. I mean, imagine you're sitting in a control tower looking at at the the picture and the plane is at the center. Well, the eight points around that circle are purpose, reputation, visuality, authenticity, easy for me to say, ideal, leads, distinction, strategy, and mindset. So why don't we dive right in and talk about purpose? and, And, again, realizing as an executive team or as an entrepreneur uh, or as a manager trying to, you know, get your people to come together, what does the company stand for? And, and so how do, you, how do you get to that statement of purpose?
1: One of the hardest things for companies to do, and um, you've probably seen a lot of the chatter out there about purpose over profit, and really it's about truly really understanding you know what 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 do we do beyond just making money you know what do we do beyond the profit of the company and how does that align with what we're here to here to do right and i think that um you know it should uh it should not only be understood by the leader of the company but every person within the company um and it matters greatly because um people need to feel that sense of purpose and to understand what the purpose of the company is beyond what they sell or what they do um there is a tool um in the book um, called what is your purpose and um, it 's an exercise where and one thing I want to say Kiki, is you know we we didn 't want to just write a book that was about you know a lot of theories and ideas and our opinions, but we wanted to create a book where if if you feel like you need to strengthen one of those eight fundamentals that there are tools in the book that you can implement in your company immediately hmm. so in this one in this particular one um you can kind of look at you know um just th- three three facets of that and really understand you know. What it is that makes your company distinct, and, and from a purpose standpoint, it is—you know—like what do you stand for? It's really that simple. You know, why why are you in business?
0: Well, and you know, I love, and, and I can tell you're in branding, by the way. Uh, your book, by the way, is gorgeous. I mean, I have I have not I, I do these interviews every week and have done it for eight years, and I will tell you, bar none, this is the most gorgeous, useful book I have seen in in that whole time frame. So uh, first of all, bravo, and uh, I know it's not inexpensive to do it this way, uh, but I think that the payoff um, is is really big.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I think, uh, you know, putting in that extra effort to make something visually really work is critical Mm -hmm. today. Because, you know, we, we remember things by the way we see things, and we digest images much more effectively than we digest words. And so we really wanted to make sure that there were very, very easy things to follow in charts and diagrams so that if, if you just walk away from the book with three really important things you need to do, we feel like we've been successful.
0: Right. Well, and I was just talking to someone this morning about, um, you know, as we get older, and, you know, I'm I'm late 50-something, and you know i used to be much more tolerant of of a lot of narrative a lot of words on on a white sheet of paper and as i get older you know i am much more drawn to to the the highly visual and you know i'm a real sucker for um you know for for charts and diagrams and and i love the acrostic that you have on on the back of the book which is you know, again, taking the eight points and then pulling out of that the word stand out uh, because these are eight fundamentals that really will help you not only stand out but, as you say, take off and then stay on course, which is equally important. So once you've made it through the purpose piece and and you know if you start off thinking it's not clear and and you get to the place where you're absolutely crystal clear uh, on your purpose. Then you know what what's next. You can you move directly into the reputation piece, or or is there a job that has to be done at communicating that purpose out to the rest of the organization to
1: make sure everybody is on track? So I think you know the 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 um, brand traffic control, which is the entire system, is something that not hap- doesn't really happen in a linear fashion. And that's a really good question that you that you brought up because a lot of people ask the same thing, and that is that. This is something that you should be doing in your company all the time and kind of checking in on where you are on each of these eight fundamentals. And, you know, it's a progress over perfection thing. Um, Purpose is something that, um, uh, and you know Simon Sinek, and he did a beautiful job in his book, Start With Why, and really helping people understand what that is so that they can communicate it inside the company. And, And the thing about purpose, and I'll just say one more thing before I move to reputation, is that um what what 's happening on the inside has to match what 's happening on the outside and vice versa for a company to really truly be and live the purpose, not just understand what it is and really thinking about where does where does it where what 's the overlap between you know what what the world really needs and what you know you do really well and and what the world's willing to pay for it you know where Where do those things kind of align and 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 maybe what is the impact of you know what you 'd love to do and how does that impact that too right, um, but right. purpose is something that can really bring people together. And and so then the
0: next point is really how you're seen, how you're perceived, and and I will say from all of my strategic consulting work, um, quite often a company will think that they know what their purpose is, uh, but maybe their customers don't know that, um, and and as a result their external reputation is actually quite different than what they had hoped, uh, you know, out of their internal efforts. So so
1: talk to us a little bit about reputation sentiment. Reputation sentiment. Well, there's some really great tools out there, Chickie, that actually give you sentiment in real time. Uh, Radian Six is one, for example. And, and what I'm so I'm going to talk a little about technology. I'm going to talk about like the activities themselves. But um, reputation sentiment is where uh, you can look at from an online. Let's just talk about online perspective and see all the things that are being said about your company or brand or maybe people in your company, and you can look at those. Uh, conversations, and there are algorithms that are designed and developed to understand what that sentiment is, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral. And this is really, really important, especially on the B2B side, B2C side.
0: And so in in these listening tools, you know, like Radiant 6, where where you're Mm -hmm. listening to what people are saying over social media, do do you really think that that's representative of a company's reputation? I mean, it certainly can hurt it. We know that.
1: Well, you know, I always think about Warren Buffett and I think about, he says, uh, you know, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to run it. And I think about exactly. um, online is just one thing. Um, I think reputation actually is, is uh, the future currency of companies. Um, and I'm, I'm actually working on that right now because I really feel like that reputation is the thing that's going to help companies be successful or not. And, you know online's one thing but really um reputation is something that that has to be known in, in in every side of the company not only outside to customers but inside from employees right and uh it's 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 going to be harder and harder to measure but you know the more authentic you are and the more you tell the truth uh the less this is an issue right right so right it's something we all need to learn to do so it's it's interesting
0: to me and, and I'm sure that there's a method to your madness of of the order that these appear in because I, I happen to be in a in a fairly early stage venture right now and so we really haven't had uh the opportunity yet to establish reputation. So we're trading on the currency right now of my own reputation from previous ventures, which you know quite often is the case when people come together from different companies. Um, so one of the ways to build the early value uh, of an early-stage company is to bring together you know, big names, whether it be on the board or or as part of the leadership team. Um, You know, it's quite natural, though, to begin with the next one, Uh, again, from my way of thinking as an entrepreneur, that the the visuality, uh, the outward appearance of your brand. Um, So I'd like for you to talk to us a little bit about uh, the concepts of brand consistency and brand perception. Um, You know, I I used to have uh, heated arguments with our, our programmer um, that was helping me develop our system um because he was you know a real heavy brand guy and and you know i I had the opinion at the time that you know most people couldn 't tell you other than you know the top brands coca cola you know maybe google and and uh, a handful of others couldn 't tell you the color of of the logo you know couldn 't even maybe describe the current logos. So I know it's important, and and I really do know that now. I mean, I, I have a much greater appreciation. But, but tell me your your perception uh, about brand consistency, and particularly cross channel, because that's what we're having to deal with a lot now.
1: Oh gosh, then there's so many channels. I mean, you yes. know, it's uh, there used to be like five. Now there's like thousands. Well, uh, you know, just from my own personal experience in being an identical twin and understanding what it means, you know, actually, you know, to have a stunt double <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and to be able to really, um, you know, see Lori, and this is Winnie speaking. Um, right. Lori's right here, but, you know, seeing Lori, you know, and, and looking at her and thinking, wow, we, you know, we, we probably shouldn't wear those pants anymore, right? So, um, you know, um, but to be able to see each other in that perspective, I think that we we have to think about um, how we can see ourselves outside of ourselves, and I talked about this in the very beginning, so that we can can visually communicate back the way we really truly should be. And you were mentioning about how you really resonate with images and, and symbols. And there's actually an activity in the book that's really, really simple to do, and it's, it's, it's based on symbols because we all also come to everything that we do with preconceived ideas. And you look at these symbols and the whole group looks at them and says, you know, if, if if our company was a symbol, what would it be? And then you kind of talk about what that is. And when it comes down to visuality, it comes to um, making sure that not only are things extremely consistent from channel to channel, including the voice, but that you are using the right things that make the most sense, that are really true to who you are. So it's, it's um takes a lot of internal um, exercises and, and thought and collaboration to really get there.
0: Right, and you know you talk also about um who do you most admire and and are are you talking about from a branding perspective and and the you know how impactful uh the brands are
1: well, I think one thing today is you know I really don't you know I know that I talk a lot about in the book about competition. But I think we also need to look out in the world and see who are doing who, either as individuals or as companies or brands. What are people doing that you really admire, and why do you admire that? And then what can you learn from other people's successes that would be authentic to yours that you can apply? And I think there's so much because we have so much access to information that, you know, we don't always necessarily. need to reinvent the wheel there are a lot of things we can do by learning from the success of others and sometimes mm-hmm. i think you know to look at our competitors and to look at not just that we compete against them but what about them do we really um admire and 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 you know what do we appreciate about them and what right. would they say about us
0: and when you guys wrote the book um did you each you know take a number of chapters or did you guys collaborate on on all of them uh do you, do you have different areas of expertise, um, you know, where where that was the natural chapter for you to be the lead on?
1: Um, so we we have the same mind, but we have different sides of the brain, right? So uh-huh. one's definitely right sided and one's definitely left sided. Oh, really? And so you've got the Yeah, I know it's like when people always say, Are y'all married twins? No, but we're brain twins. <laughs> <laughs> um and I don't you know, I kinda wonder about um you know, it, did we did we sort of strengthen each of the sides of the brain from strategy and creative perspective because we saw weaknesses, or did we just kind of pick a side and actually develop into that? It's kind of a, we always talk about that, but we worked on it mm-hmm. together. It took us about five years to develop the tools. There's about 30 tools in the book, and we worked on it collaboratively. And um, for a, an entire year, we we carved out time every single day to sit down and, and have discussions, and we recorded things, and then we dictated things. And mm-hmm. so it was definitely definitely a, a collaborative effort. So let's move on
0: to authenticity and, and the topic of, of messaging. And you, you talk in this section, uh, some of the exercises are, are about archetypes and, and brand attributes. And I, I'm assuming that in, in your, your brand practice that, that you actually help walk people through uh, developing
1: that authentic message. Yeah, so content, we all know how important that is today and making sure that everyone's saying the same thing in the same ways. You know, we one of the exercises we do is we, we go through a company, and we ask everyone to tell the elevator speech about the company, what do you do? And um the the learning comes from everyone saying something completely different and then we kind of have discussions about well, why are we saying things differently and how do we all get aligned on saying the same things. But um, you know, the the language that we use really comes down to the stories that we tell. And we call it actually story selling instead of storytelling because stories are what people connect to and what people remember, and so really creating a whole documentation of what the stories are within a company and sharing those and people seem to resonate and remember those and to be able to repeat those back much more easily than they do, like a you know some sort of uh content document
0: right right so all of that that works together to begin to form. Um, you know what that brand uh well how how you're communicating the brand and and so the reinforcing of the visual and and really your your purpose as a company has to come through in that authentic message and and so then then you start talking about um ideal leads and and I'm presuming here we're talking about who who you're actually gonna be selling to and and how do you go about targeting them. But but you also use the word nurture. And and I love that. So it's not just about selling and closing. You know, it's actually about nurturing uh, those clients.
1: Yeah. So we, we really have always taken sort of a non-sell approach because people don't want to be sold to. You know, we just want to be position a company to be talking to their ideal leads because everyone's not your customer. And that's one of the things that um, it's kind of a hard hard thing for companies to really um, adapt to, but just really understanding that, you know, if you could identify who that ideal lead is, um, you know, what about them is hard in their work? What about them is easy? What makes their job fun? You know, to try to really deep deeply understand them as a person and be able to communicate them at, as a person, right, and to talk about whatever product or service you do and how that really solves their problems and just nurture them and provide them information so that when they're ready to buy that you're there. Hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. My husband is
0: in sales, and that's actually precisely how he sells. He's just – he's always there, and he's there to listen uh, to his ideal leads, and he happens to sell specifically into um, the waste uh, organizations of cities and counties, which is not terribly glamorous, but uh, it's completely recession-proof, so we really like it. Um <laughs> But but he has been doing this for five years now in in his territory. And I remember when he first started, um, he knew who his, his ideal leads were, um, but they weren't all ready to buy because uh, heavy equipment has uh, a definite uh, life cycle. Um, but you know when they were ready, he he was there. And so he and he knew those personas very well because he's been in this industry for quite a while. Um so you you have a couple of tools in this section as well some some exercises that you take uh people through of of how to brainstorm what that ideal lead looks like can can you give us some sense of some of the questions uh that that you're asking yourself uh during that section
1: Sure so the process is um you know brainstorming on just getting everybody on the same page you know who who are the ideal leads where are they what's important to them and and we always add what keeps them up at night because that to me always gets people into the real mindset of the person behind the lead mm-hmm. and then from that you take you know and, and not you know i say ideal lead um but many companies have maybe two or three ideal leads and then you take each of those and you create a persona map around them so that you kind of almost have like a painted picture of each ideal lead. like you may even have a photograph that you say okay Here's Norma, you know, she's our ideal lead and this is what she looks like and this is her role in the company and this is what makes her job hard and this is what, make, this is what makes her job fun and um, this is what's important to her so that you can speak to her and think about her every time you develop that content that we talked about in authenticity. And, uh, you know, maybe even like have these posted up in your company or on the wall right. so that every person speaks the same language when you talk about who these people are. hmm you know it's it's very interesting
0: i i did some work a number of years ago for aarp and and they actually had had cutouts that, that were in people's offices of of norma and you know and and this one and that one and you know i, I used to challenge them um on, on the use of of what i call single dimensional personas uh in the travel industry because uh we aren't just one person we actually are multiple personas under different situations so you know i think it's it's really important to understand that our our client in in many cases and and again i i've spent my entire adult life in the travel industry and and you know you behave differently when you're traveling as a mom or as a ceo or as you know sisters um and and so you know, certain businesses, I think, actually have to go through that exercise uh, multiple times because you you reach out to someone differently uh, when they're going to a funeral versus when they're going on vacation.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, you bring up a really good point. And I think I'm just sitting here while you're talking about, you know, traveling as a mom or sisters. And I think about, like, if companies could think about the successful relationships they have in their lives, and think about how they communicate with those individuals. Like I'm thinking about my husband, James, we've been together for over 25 years. And I think about, and I never really thought about this, so you mentioned this, that, you know, if, if I could think about that, I speak to him and communicate him differently based on whatever's happening in his world. And, and, and that's a really good point about, <laughs> and that's a really good, and I'm sure your husband is really good at this too, because um, I can tell from the way he, he understands his ideal lead. Mm-hmm. Um Because we're just nurturing these relationships Right cuz we're really I mean I, I mean I really I always think to myself that we're not really selling things we're really in the relationship business and right. you know and nurturing those relationships um can help us you know sustain and and be successful as companies.
0: Exactly. You know but I th- I think it I'm sure that there are other industries out there besides mine who who have this issue of people behaving differently under different circumstances and And you know, I've watched all the technology in my own industry evolve to serve a single persona, which um, happens to be the air traveler. Um, so whether you're buying a hotel room or a cruise cabin, they sell to you as if you magically landed in the city where that that product is. Right, and and the fact is, eighty nine percent of all travel is actually by car, and so they're marketing to the wrong person. Um, you know, which I, I I just can't even imagine what would happen if the major players in my industry actually understood that they picked a, a persona, they they picked an ideal lead, but it's a tiny, tiny slice of the marketplace. Um, so let, let's move on a little bit and, and talk about how you figure out. Where you are distinctive. So the next one is distinction, and it really is about figuring out your distinct advantage. And and I would even say,
1: if you don't have one, maybe helping them find one. Right. <laughs> well, it's my favorite, favorite, favorite tool uh, in the book. It's called distinct advantage, and it's um, it's where you you know work with your team to outline you know what your ideal clients want and what you provide. And then, and you're looking for, and you also look at, you know, what competitors offer. What you're looking for is that, oh, it's like a Venn diagram where you're looking for that space where what you do, what you provide overlaps with what your relationships want. But in a place where your competitors won't, can't, or don't. And, you know, what's funny is most people say, oh, it's our customer service or it's our, you know, our, you know, Mm -hmm. this new product or service. But really, it always, it usually comes down to something very sort of soft skills, um, so it's a really interesting process to see that activity take place. And really from that is really where you get a lot of your content because all the things that are being said, you know, from an authentic standpoint, really kind of can almost create key messages of, of what you do as a company. And mm-hmm. I've seen companies, you know, t- go through that exercise and, and eliminate whole divisions in, in their corporation because they thought, well, why are we doing that when that's not what really people really want? And our right, competitor owns right. 90% of the market share. so interesting.
0: Well, and, and again, I, I come from a highly commoditized uh, industry. Uh, you know, we're a very mature industry. In fact, you know, one might argue that travel is one of the oldest industries in the world uh, because people have always needed help, you know, getting from point A to point B. Um, but because of that, you know, the products are so commoditized. And, and you know, as I look at, at different companies in my own industry, um, you know, it gets pretty hard to to point out their real advantages because product development, uh, particularly in publicly traded companies, um, doesn't happen as much as it used to when everybody was private, um, because you know you didn't have the quarter to quarter pressures and um, you know. So I, I think this one uh, out of everything that we've talked about so far is perhaps one of the most challenging.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I'm just sitting here thinking about the travel industry now, and I'm not sure, did you say which which company that you, was it American? Uh, I was with American,
0: uh, actually the Sabre uh, division, which rolled out and became a separate company in, in the mid-90s. Uh, but I was also with their competitor. Uh, I, I moved from there to a company called WorldSpan, which was owned by Delta Northwest and TWA, Uh, and then ended up doing some joint ventures, uh, you know, between uh, different companies in the industry. So I've kind of – I've been on all sides of it, and then I've had my own (laughs) consulting firm for 20 years.
1: Well, then then I'm sure you know a lot and think a lot about what happened between the United Continental uh, merger Mm -hmm. and everything that you're talking about, you know, happened, you know. I mean, they they lost their competitive advantage and became another commodity and um, lost a lot of ground in terms of reputation and – you know, I think that the distinct advantage is something that, um, like you said, evolves and changes over time. But I think um, uh, it's part of how people communicate, you know, what they do and back to that elevator speech, you know. And how do you talk about what's different about you than somebody else? You know, it can be a real challenge for people, but it can completely change the whole dynamic of a company at the same time.
0: hmm Absolutely. And and so then you move into talking about strategy and you know it, it's it's funny, I, I said at the beginning that I, I wondered how you um how how you ordered these chapters, how you how you guys decided, because for me, uh because I'm a strategist, right, uh you know strategy is really where where everything both begins and ends because you you map out your strategy and then everything else has to tie back and align to that and and you you mention in this section that that the plan obviously has to align with the business goals and if you don't know what those goals are you clearly can't start uh you know with with developing that plan so talk to me a little bit about um your your thought process in and where strategy fit in into the storytelling that's that is the book.
1: Um, well, you know, uh it's where the rubber hits the road, right? Or where the where the mm-hmm. the wheels hit the tarmac. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, we uh we developed um what's called the one page marketing plan and it's where you take all of these these findings from these tools and put them into a one page marketing plan that aligns with your business goals and I, you know i look at companies all the time and i think about how can companies create these incredible marketing strategies that are not in alignment with the with the whole sort of corporate strategy where the company is going it does that make sense to me right? right right and it's like this whole thing about you know even flying you know if you're off course 1% then you're never going to get where you go and these it's critical that these two things come together Aligned with your purpose to all be headed in the same direction, mm-hmm. and uh, and in the book, there are all the instructions there to complete the one-page marketing plan. But you know, we we have to be empowered ourselves, even in the C-suite, to be able to align these plans because you know the, the, we can't rely on marketing to do this independent anymore because it's a part. It's it's everyone's responsibility, right? Right, right. And and
0: so that that takes us in into your your last uh, of the eight. Fundamentals, which is is mindset, and you describe it as the discipline uh, that you need to achieve the desired results. And you know, I I, I would take that one step further, uh, you know, which I, I know that you do as you describe this, that the mindset does have to start in the C suite, and and you have to be able to communicate and compel people through the creation of the right culture to really carry out that mindset. Otherwise, you you know all of this is for
1: naught. God, you're so right. You're so right. And and I know because you're you're, you know, an expert in strategy that you've seen co- companies do all these amazing strategic plans <laughs> oh, and then yeah. when it comes down to it they don't implement it. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, focus, it's like we're all so distracted and if we could just right. stop and focus and be all clear on where we're going, we would actually get there. It's right. amazing.
0: Well, you know, it's funny and and we had been doing strategy for a long time uh and we we made that same observation that while while I loved getting paid, you know, six figures to do a strategy for someone, it wasn't at all gratifying if they didn't do anything with it. Uh and I remember one client who will remain nameless. Um I had been working with them for I ah, I bet 2 years and their CEO the the last day I was there He walked in, and he said, you must love us. And, you know, I know he was thinking about the billing and, you know, and and how much money I had made uh, during the time that I was there. And I said, you know, actually, I love your people. They are wonderful to work with. But um, today will be my last day here because this morning I changed the year on the agenda for this meeting that we're having today meaning nothing had changed in a year. <laughs> and, you know, I said I, I in order for me to be successful, you know, there really has to be forward movement. And, you know, for me it's not about what I get paid. It's being able to, you know, see the results. And and you're right, that mindset is so so critical to that, and, and it, it caused us to create something called Rapid Strategy, which actually got people from the blank sheet of paper to a, a six hundred line Microsoft project plan in three
1: days. Because I, you know, I just ran out of patience with the whole process. I love, I love the idea that what, a Rapid Strategy. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you will share that with me. Um, oh yeah, I no, would lo- love would to, love to do that. that. But
0: you know, it, it comes out of um and, and i know that kind of culture weaves through a lot of these things that you're talking about but um so many companies have a culture of inaction and they would never describe that and that certainly wouldn't be part of their messaging or their their branding but when you take a look um you know the the glacier like pace um of of what they're doing uh you know is a just a raw indicator uh, of that level of inaction, and and so really having that mindset to to make whatever changes. And I love when you talk about jettisoning things, and 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 even jettisoning uh, a whole
1: division if it doesn't fit in with the strategy. Well, and, and and now I mean you know a startup can can launch in about thirty days and uh, take every single point of your market share in about you know ninety. Right. So, it's important that we as as companies and we as people that help consult companies um help companies be more agile. Yes. And to uh to help support them in either changing behaviors or mindsets or whatever that is that's holding them back from actually doing the things that need to be done to achieve those results.
0: Mhm. And I love um what you talk about um in in one of your exercises on mindset of stop uh start stop, and continue? Talk to me about that.
1: Well, I think um, uh, it's a way to understand within a company uh, what other individuals know about these things. So this is definitely a group activity where everyone sort of steps back and, you know, has a copy of the tool and it individually writes, what do we need to start doing in this company to achieve specific results? What do we need to do, stop doing? And what do we need to continue doing? And they're really looking at those things and understanding, and this is behavioral, right? Understanding what are the things that people think that are ineffective that we need to stop doing? Because are we doing so many things and are we busy and are we flustered right. and confused and overworked without really understanding well, maybe we shouldn't be doing 90% of those things because they're right. ineffective.
0: Well, and it's interesting because this exercise that, that we go through um, actually is focused on on the deliverables that each group uh, in a company are responsible for or what they think that they need to be delivering. And at the end of the day, we ask them, you know, like, who are you delivering this to? And then because we've got all the players in the room, it's like, do you need that? And they're like, no, that you know, because we also have – each group frame what is the input to what they need to get their job done. And if if they can't self-produce that, it has to be a deliverable from somebody else, right? And, and so they, they kind of self-select that. But, you know, one of the other things that we face in this process, and, and it fits in perfectly to this start, stop, and continue, is every time consultants are brought in, and this is a, a great example of this. I know it happens internally too, but it's always – the the reaction that you get from from the people who you know are going to have to actually get the work done is that groan of thinking that everything is additive right and not, nothing you're ever so right. stopped and and so i think giving them permission to list and and you know we do a lot of exercises with with sticky notes and having everybody write down something that they're doing that they could stop and sometimes it's what you're measuring and, you know, we haven't talked a lot about uh, metrics, but, um, you know, the way that you figure out all this stuff, you know, are are you on track is making sure that you're measuring the right things. And, and quite often uh, a lot of time is spent putting reports together uh, because you've always done them. And,
1: you know, that that's a great thing to stop sometimes. Yeah. You don't even realize you're doing it. You're right because right, you've always done right. it and you just do it and it's like it's, you know. Change, you know, to change the change the dynamic and um give people the opportunity, like you said, to stop doing things that really just aren't mm-hmm. effective and they don't even realize they're doing them. You know, I think about that in my nice. life too. You know, what am I doing myself and my own leadership that is preventing me from doing something? And uh it's a, it's a good exercise to just have sort of is a part of your own brand.
0: Right. Well, and and I was going to ask uh when you guys sat down to write this book, who was the ideal audience
1: for the book? Well, every single client we've ever had over the last 25 years and um people that we've served and and you know been successful in terms of, you know, helping them achieve their desired results. And I think that um we we it's our responsibility in this industry to deliver Ways in which companies can be empowered from the inside instead of hiring agencies like ours, right? Mm-hmm. And it's—I feel like the industry needs a new way of, of of working. We need new tools. We need to empower people inside companies to be able to do these things themselves, right? Um, or to understand them at a deeper level, especially at the C-suite. And that's really what motivated us to do it. And the audience is. Not just, you know, big corporations, but startups and individuals Mm -hmm. that are trying to, you know, be thought leaders in their industry.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm uh, in the early stages, i I Consider myself beyond the startup phase, just because I've been at it for a while. But uh, I'm still a one-man band in the company. So every time I hear about these tools and getting teams together, you know, I, I think longingly, "Oh, if only I had a team <laughs> to get together with," you know, because I know I could accelerate things so much more quickly. But I've been trying to bootstrap and and uh, you know get revenue flowing before I, I take that plunge. Um, so let's talk about taking because, I mean that that's really where where I am and I'm so excited uh to get this roadmap for the one page marketing plan because um, you know, over the course of the last twenty years I've probably written, you know, hundreds of marketing plans and they've never been one page.
1: <laughs> and and so I really like that idea at this juncture in my life. Well, and you can actually one of our one of our bhags is to actually give away a million one page marketing plans. Because mm-hmm. If you look at how many companies fail, um, and actually there's a study done by Forbes that kind of went into the details of that, and there were the top five reasons, you know, eight out of 10 companies fail. And and one of the top five reasons was um, lack of distinct advantage and the inability to communicate a clear value proposition. And so we said, you know, what if we as a company sort of in our in this phase of our business really deliver these plans, empower these companies, how could we really change that dynamic and how could we really just move the needle on how many companies, you know, are successful? And, uh, you know, and you can go to our website and download it, TwinEngine.com. And um, if we were really inspired, are you familiar with um, Gazelle's Chicken Gazelle's Vern Harnish? He wrote a book, it's called Scale Up, it just came out. He um, is sort of the founder of the One Page Strategic Plan and we've used that for a long, long time and, we were really empowered because it's we kind of missing Is this whole marketing. Is it similar to the business business plan canvas approach? Similar, similar to that. But I definitely checked this guy out, Fern Harnish, mm-hmm. and, and his vision. And um, because w- through our experience of working in that plan, um, really made us think, well, why why don't we have this from a marketing perspective? And how can we really give people a tool that they can do until empowered, and not be in that you know 150 page PowerPoint that's a right, strategy that right. no one can actually really visualize. So um we're really really excited about it and um you know are, are excited to be able to share it with the world and you know to make an impact. Oh, I love it. I love it. So
0: once once you have taken off, you still have to stay on course. So you introduce something called the 90% rule. Yeah. What is that about?
1: Well, it's what we talked about before about, you know, you know, we're, we're in the cockpit. And, uh, and you know, I fly a lot. I know that you know immense about the travel industry and um, that um, Steve, um, Stephen Covey, um, in one of his books, talks about that planes are off course 90% of the time. And I was like, <laughs> how in the world is that true? I really I was like, I mean, I was like, there's no way. Anyway, he goes into the fact that they really are and that's the pilot's role. And, you know, there's there's wind and, you know, there's weather and there's traffic and, um, and so then we really started thinking about, well, if you're if you're just off course 1%, just 1%, you're right. never going to get there. So it's like, how do you, and that's what you meant by, you know, and I think you, what you meant by earlier when you were talking about this thing is dynamic and it has to evolve all the time, is you've always got to be looking and making sure that you're really still hitting that target. You may make a few diversions, but you really right. need to make sure that you know where you're going. Right. So you get there. Absolutely.
0: So you have given us so much uh to digest and you know again if you are listening to this broadcast and you have not picked up a copy of this book you must and and it is um so so practical and it's just like I said it's beautiful and i can't wait uh you know to sit quietly over the weekend in my super comfy chair with a, a great pen because uh, you have to have a pen in your hand um, when when you read this book, because it it uh, it kind of demands a, a response from you um, uh, in a good way. And um, so, um, you know, I would just love to know if there if there's anything else you would like to leave us with. I know you you end the book talking about five things that that you can do right now. You can actually get started today. And and you've also uh organize the book in such a way that you can take these tests and you can either read the book from start to finish or you can actually jump to the fundamental that you need to strengthen. And I I love that because we we don't all have the patience to to make it through things where, you know, we really do have them nailed.
1: Right. And I think um, you know, uh, the assessment's a great tool, Chickie, and it's uh you can find it at twinengine.com backslash BTC. Um, I'm also happy to send anyone that one-page marketing plan with full instructions, and you can reach out to me at standout at twinengine.com. And uh, the one thing I would really focus on, if I could just pick one tool, is Distinct Advantage, Um, and that's in the book, and um, it just uh, creates an amazing dialogue, whether you're, you're on your own and you're working on a startup or you're working with a team. It's a really, really great exercise to begin, and um again it's dynamic you know it's um we wrote this book so that you know people would be able to go back and visit and share these tools with their team and um you know it's it's just all about we have such a small little window of of opportunity you know, less than 2 seconds to be able to make an, a positive impression on someone we just have to make sure that we're making it honestly and authentically and that we're remembered right right
0: well Uh, I so appreciate you guys being with us today. And again, the book is Stand Out, Discover Your Distinct Advantage, Tools to Master the Eight Fundamentals of Standing Out in Business. And again, you can find it just under Stand Out. And uh, we have been uh, talking to Winnie and Lori today, and they are the co-authors and the twins behind Twin Engine. And, uh, Winnie, can you tell folks how
1: they can get in touch with you guys? Of course, Shiki. Um, you can email us at standout at twinengine.com. You can get the book on Amazon. Um, and just reach out to us for any questions. You know, we're here to support. We're here to give. You know, one of our, our core purposes is to, uh, is to share this with the world and to empower companies to be successful. So we're here to support you.
0: Well, I so appreciate your time today, and uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And we have uh, a great show coming up next week. We are going to be talking about the new Advantage. And uh, so we're going to be talking uh, about leadership, and and, uh, we have the principal of the Leadership Research uh, Institute with us next week, so don't miss that. And I just appreciate everybody who is listening to us today. And please visit us at thegamechanger.network. We're going to have some new things coming out this fall and uh, a a new network platform that we would love to have you join and, and just collaborate with other folks who are trying to change their game.
1: You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.